Word of mouth is crucial to a company's growth, but historically, B2B companies have not been able to track, measure, or influence word of mouth systematically. Meanwhile, our B2C counterparts have benefited from referrer codes and trackable invitations for over a decade. Stefan Bader, founder and CEO at Cello, figured out a fintech solution to enable B2B companies to incentivize referrals. So he knows more about user-led growth than anyone else. After investing in his seed round, I was excited to dive deep into this new functional discipline that growth marketers everywhere should be mastering. We discussed how does user-led growth relate to product-led growth? What are the metrics for best-in-class user-led growth? What is the typical distribution of referrals across a user population? And many other granular topics as we unpack this new category. You can listen to the conversation or else read the lightly edited transcript. Let's dive in. Stefan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I've been so excited to record this conversation with you for a while because the topic that we're going to be discussing today is something I've been thinking about for something like a decade. So psyched to have you here. Thanks for joining. Hi, Alison. Thanks for having me here. To start, I want to set the stage. What is user-led growth? Well, user-led growth is the next evolutionary extension of a go-to-market strategy, which is completely complementary to the three existing categories we know, which are sales-led growth, marketing-led growth, and what has in the past few years uh, has become more famous, product-led growth or PLG, as as many people reference to it. And user-led growth is the next and fourth category uh, when it comes to go-to-market strategies. And the idea behind user-led growth is to incentivize your users to basically help you grow your business. So it's really about aligning incentives between products and the power users by rewarding users based on the influence they exhibit in talking about and referring to products. User-led growth, I think, is a topic that sprung up in the B2C world, in the consumer world. Why do B2B companies not seem to understand how to instrument this in the way that B2C companies do. User-led growth has been around since many years. We're just uh, the first ones to to coin it and give it that name. As we know, user incentivized user referrals has been around since you know the early stages of the internet with with companies like Dropbox and PayPal and and the Ubers of the world. And here was uh, quite obvious how to align incentives with the users so it actually makes them helping those those businesses to grow. And the the way to do it was always to give them free features like Dropbox did with free storage, for example, or incentives in the product that actually were incentivizing the users. For B2B, however, this is a bit more complex because by just you know giving giving out free months or free features to B2B software users, this is not really incentivizing to them because usually their their employer pays the bills. So they don't really care too much if uh, the employer takes a bit of the costs of the bill here. And we're the first ones to actually think incentives in a complete new way for B2B referrals by providing actually, you know, monetary incentives back to the users. And this sounds more easy and trivial than it actually is because by providing monetary incentives to users from a business, this has implications around tax and also around KYC because uh, this simply falls under money laundering laws. And therefore, it's a beast basically to make this work in the background. It sounds like 
we haven't had the systems in place to incentivize B2B users in monetary ways. And it's the lack of software to make this happen, essentially, that has been the root cause of B2B companies not really instrumenting user-like growth. Is that right? That's completely right. Yes. It's, uh, it's actually a combination of tracking software, but also it combines a fintech approach to it and a, and a regulatory approach to it, where uh, we at Cello have built a tax and legal framework to to make this all all happen. For B2B companies, it was very difficult until now to uh, roll out a compliant uh, user referral program just because of those factors. Uh, and it's not just not just the software purely, it's even more. Is part of the problem that in the B2B world, we're charging on a subscription basis. And so, you know, if you want to give a referring user some cut of the subscription, it's kind of complicated. Like you have to kind of pay them a cut of a monthly payment that's coming in. So over the course of 12 months, you might have to make 12 payments. Is that part of the problem? Absolutely. Yeah. It's the surface area of our product might look very little, but in the end, uh, we're uh, hooking our system into the payment gateways of our customers to really understand what payments are floating into their systems that originated from user referrals. So it's about tracking the whole life cycle of payments, where those payments are coming from, and then connecting the dots and uh, actually paying out those users globally. And as most of our customers have a sort of global user base, uh, you will also have effects around currency conversion and cross-border payments which makes it even a bit more complex. <laughs> yes. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm already seeing what your product roadmap looks like. <laughs> I want to set aspirations for folks about what's possible here with user-led growth. To start, what are some examples of companies that might not have used your product before because it hasn't existed beyond a year or so, but some examples of companies that have done a really good job even before a software or a fintech solution existed in instrumenting user-led growth? In the very early days, uh, as I mentioned, I think uh, a few companies have actually nailed it for for B2C. Some of uh, the listeners uh, might have heard the examples of Airbnb, PayPal, Dropbox. They have uh, tremendously grown by just this single growth loop. And referring to some of the customers we're currently working together, like TLDV or Typeform, Tango, Personio, there's some of them that actually applying what we're suggesting and even go beyond that. So we're learning day by day more and more because our customers also love to experiment and A-B test uh, and all those learnings we see amongst our customers, we're trying to apply basically to the rest. And this goes from how to phrase messages, um, like what are the right triggers basically to ping uh, users to refer a product and even like how to set the right rewards and, and discount structure. So there is no day until now that we haven't learned something new. And it's quite exciting. Are there certain types of companies that going forward you think are best enabled to drive user-like growth? For example, companies that are selling to SMBs, maybe developer tools companies, because developer tools companies tend to grow through word of mouth. Any other attributes that come to mind for you? Yeah, therefore, we, we actually have set up a referral Venn diagram. And the three dimensions we're seeing there that positively affect the performance of uh, referral programs are fast time to value, high level of product engagement, and high product lifetime value. If you hit two of the three, you're actually in a, in a very good uh, space. Uh, and some companies actually hit hit all three. Companies like Pitch, Azana, Miro, Calendly, just to name a few. 
And they're like in a very sweet spot of uh, where referral programs are and, and can take off extremely well. When we're talking about industries, especially industries where digitalization just has started and also industries where communities tend to be a little bit stronger than in other industries, like, uh, for, as you mentioned, uh, refer developer tools, for example. These are industry-specific learnings where we see uh, that programs are performing even a, a little bit better. Those factors that you mentioned, the Venn diagram, really resonate with me. Basically, you're saying that if users are getting value very quickly, they love it, they're getting value over a long period of time as well, there's a high chance that they're going to refer a product to someone else. That makes sense. I think that's intuitive. Do you think that those companies are not instrumenting user-led growth as much as they could be? So like, for example, could you help an Airbnb or a Typeform or a Calendly grow even faster than they already are? Absolutely. One and a half years ago, when we started the company, I was actually sitting in the exact same spot. I used to be CEO at uh, another SaaS company called Culture. And with my growth team, I was trying to implement this and we, we didn't find any tooling out there. So I was quite surprised why nobody actually has ever productized this. And by working now with um, many of the best companies, we see that we can even accelerate their flywheel by applying the right incentives to users to help them spread the word. This might happen even without incentives, but it's just pulling a bit more gasoline on the, on the whole engine. This is what our product is actually about. And if a company doesn't have two of those three factors in the Venn diagram, let's say there isn't fast time to value, for example, is it still worthwhile to try to make user-like growth part of their strategy? In the way we have designed our product, we actually want to make it as easy as possible to just test it out, right? So we have set up a freemium product uh, with the first couple of thousand referral AR that is co completely free and an implementation time that is around four hours, right? So it should be a no-brainer for every company to test it out and to try it. Even if user referrals for some companies might not work as well as for others, you know, it's a complete return of a positive new growth channel that just works aside without any maintenance effort. So definitely, yes, uh, it is It is worth to try it out and just to test it. And if it works, it can be a significant improvement to your whole go-to-market strategy and flywheel. Again, trying to set the standard for what best-in-class user-like growth looks like. Are there certain metrics that people should be tracking and certain thresholds for those metrics that they should be aiming toward. I'm thinking, for example, in the in the B2C world, people would talk a lot about viral coefficient. I don't know if that's as relevant here. Or tell us what numbers we should be looking at. There are two metrics we're especially uh, have in mind and, and, and look at at the moment. Um, the first one is uh, actually a new one we, we have introduced called annualized user to customer conversion rate or AUCC. And the idea behind this metric is how many new customers can one user bring in in the course of a year, which basically talks a bit about the virality of the, of the whole program. And the best in class we see for freemium products is around 20%. So five users bring in one new customer in one year. And for sales led, it's around 6.3% as the top performing products we see. And median is around about 12% for freemium SaaS and 2.4% for sales led. So it is definitely a very interesting channel to to keep in mind and to look at. And when it comes to free to paid conversion rate, this is the second metric that is important because we're especially working together with many freemium and free trial products, just because sharing feels even more natural to those products. And we see that user referrals for freemium products 
around 18%, free trial around 67%. Compared to when we look at pay channels, uh, Freemom is 2.6 and free trial 7.4. So there's a massive leap in those metrics compared to classic channels, uh, which makes it even more interesting. It's not just about the pure number of signups we can produce with that. It's also about like how well and how fast it can convert, which is quite unique to that new channel. Wow, it's fascinating thinking about the impact that you're having. It also seems like there's more impact even that you can have with user-like growth or, or more impact that you can measure, which is the dollar value of the contracts that are coming in, right? It's not just like how many other users you can refer in, but you know, if one user refers in, let's just say like five users from a particular account, and then like a senior stakeholder at that account notices this and signs a 200K contract with the vendor, you know, that one user has produced essentially a 200K contract. It might be a little bit more difficult to measure that or, or like track that progress. But I think the general question is, how do you think about the dollar value of the referrals, not just the volume? We don't actually have to think so much about lifetime value because we're drip paying the users month over month. So we're actually tracking every single month how much value has been created and are paying out a percentage of that created value to the actual user. And if the customer lifetime is is long, then also the, the, the trip payments will be long. Uh, usually our customers, they cap the payouts at like certain dollar levels, for example, $1,000, $5,000 or $10,000. So they wouldn't have to pay out for years and years, but just uh, until that uh, number. And still, it is a lot more significant that any payouts that could be received in, in the B2C world, which of course helps to overcome the additional sharing and conversion friction in B2B. This is actually what, what makes it work in the end for B2B, that uh, we're trying to reduce additional friction where we can. We're trying to embed it as best as possible in the user journey to create uh, valuable touch points with the right contextual messages at the right time. And then providing high enough incentives to to make the whole wheel spin. Now, let's dive into the processes that people are pursuing to instrument user-like growth. What are three best practices that people are starting to use that you're working with? If I would have to pick three, I would probably go with rewards, touch points, and A-B testing. It all stands and falls with picking the right rewards. So... What doesn't work is just to copy and paste what, what is working for other products or what is working or what has been working uh, since years in, in B2C. So it's really important to understand your users and to understand what the right incentives for your users, for, for your product in, in your given market are. And it goes a bit hand in hand with A-B testing. So it is the optimization problem in the end. And you should have enough flexibility to A-B test and just to move your product towards a global optimum here. And that can be testing out the right messages, uh, the, the right triggers, but eventually also the right discounts for the referees and the right rewards for the referrers. It's, it's important to, to basically make all this work. It's probably difficult to get it right in the first shot, but you should be able to get very close to the optimum by just applying A-B testing and running different setups and configs for, for different user cohorts. The third point would be touch points. So creating the right touch points along your user journey in product, but also outside of the product. This goes all back to a blog post by Andrew Chan was laying out quite nicely that winning in referrals is basically about the number of touch points and 
getting this in, into the into the heads of your users. So whenever they have the chance and could opportunistically refer your product, they should basically have a top of mind. And this is what what our product is also about, just to create that awareness that users are not forgetting about your product to refer if the chances are there. Are there certain mistakes you're noticing people make that you'd like to help others easily avoid? One mistake could be when it comes to incentives to timebox them. We, we saw that Loom, for example, was rolling out such a program and it also closed it down and, and gave the feedback that timeboxing referral rewards didn't work well because in the end, it was quite unclear for the users how much payouts or value they would eventually get. It could, for example, be that a user would invite and refer another user in the product. This new customer would stay free for 12 months and then start to pay for the product. But then the time boxing would have ended already. So the referral wouldn't have received any reward. So that had like very negative effects on the overall sharing velocity here. And then also just, for example, applying rewards to referral, but no discounts to referee. This is also what we're seeing has a negative impact on the overall conversion. So it's it's important to balance it out and both apply rewards and discounts. So I want to move into, you know, a couple examples of like the detailed mechanics for how to think about referrals. It's interesting. In every other area of growth for SaaS companies and AI companies, I feel like the mechanics are really well understood. We want to understand in a lot of detail, how is this like functional area emerging? And you could even imagine having someone within your marketing organization, like owning this and becoming skilled in it and even certified in it. So let's get into the nitty gritty. What would you say is the typical distribution of referrals across a user population? For example, is there typically a small percentage of users that make up a large percentage of a company's total referrals? And also, can you anticipate who these high referrers are going to be? User referrals definitely fall under under some power laws. Uh, we see that 2% of enabled users in, in our database share every single month. And not just once, but on average three times. So a minority in your user base will be leading to the vast amount of referrals, signups, and in the, in the end, also conversions. So it's really about enabling those power users to share your product. And we also see that referred-in users are 20% more likely to invite other other users in just because they have been part of the story, been part of the journey before, and it's just more convenient and likely that they will invite other users in. Another interesting uh, user group are tech influencers, and they can they can even be like classic users of your product, but just happen to have a, a decent amount of followers on social media. And here you will see, like, obviously a big amount of referees on the other side. With just one post, we had influencers going viral on Twitter and reaching half a million views, uh, basically leading to many, many signups and also conversions. And this is interesting for our customers, not just because it is directly impacting revenue, but it's also driving brand more than they could even imagine uh, with, with other channels because it's just happening naturally. Users are starting with Cello, starting to monetize their audience on, on social media. Actually, something that has been now launched on, on Twitter or now X, where content creators are starting to earn actually money based on the value they're creating to the platform, which is quite an interesting new concept X has rolled out there. And this is actually pretty much what goes down to the core of what we're doing at Cello. 
Stefan, I wasn't planning on charging you for this podcast, but now it sounds like maybe I should be, uh, you know, getting my own referrer code and, and monetizing this content. Absolutely. I think we can work something out here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What types of users are particularly drawn to monetary incentives to make referrals? And I'm wondering, is this a different group from people who are normally making referrals through unpaid word of mouth? Before we were actually building the product, we did a lot of user questionnaires and we got around about 80% of the people who were interested in monetary rewards. But also some of the users said clearly that they're rather interested in non-monetary rewards, like planting trees or doing something great for society or for the environment. And it's definitely on the roadmap. But to focus on the 80%, we were starting off with monetary rewards. And interestingly, it was all over the place. So we didn't see like a clear concentration in in specific areas like you would expect from sales or, or closer to go-to-market functions. We saw it pretty much all over the place from engineers to HR to any given function inside organizations for B2B. And for B2C, it was pretty wild as well. So there was no clear concentration. I think it basically comes down to private individuals, how they think about that topic. I think some skeptics might say monetary rewards might incentivize the wrong behavior. Obviously, I, I wouldn't put myself in that bucket of skeptics, but I'm wondering how do you counter that assumption? Yeah, in the end, we want to provide a variety of rewards and everyone in the end should be able to pick whatever they prefer. That was also one assumption that monetary rewards can move the needle to a big extent. And this is actually what data tells us. As the monetary re rewards are significant enough, we see actually people are sharing the products they use and they love. And it just helps them to even go one step further, basically to serve their networks, to have a top of mind, to be incentivized, to go the extra mile to refer that product. Something that might happen here and there as well. But with significant monetary rewards, we definitely can see a change in behavior. Well, and certainly it's worked well for the consumer world. You know, why wouldn't it work well for a B2B world in which we're increasingly selling in a bottom-up way to individuals or companies? To make user referrals work, there are three shifts that happened in the recent past. So there is a change in, in buying behavior in B2B. Before, purchasing decisions were rather taken top-down. So a few execs in the organization decided what tools to use, whereas nowadays... Thanks to PLG, thanks to PLG Emotions, individuals are taking those decisions and then teams are adopting it and eventually the whole organization is adopting it. This is like products like uh, Slack, for example, group. But then also there's a currently a big pressure when it comes to customer acquisition costs. So we see skyrocketing costs on the biggest ad networks like Meta and, and Google and, and TikTok. This is mainly driven by kicking in data privacy laws. So it is becoming more and more difficult for those platforms to track and trace users. Therefore, the playout of advertisement content is becoming less efficient. And this is just driving costs next to inflation of what we're seeing globally. And the third point is the power subscription lifetime values, which comes down to making it very easy to entry those products with freemium and free trial go-to-market notions. But also it allows significant payouts because the lifetime value is, is so high for those products. And that allows companies to actually perform user-like growth for their users. We're wrapping up here. I know there are going to be a ton of people in the audience who want to learn a lot more about how to get really good at driving user-led referrals, user-led growth. I know you produce a lot of resources. What blog posts would you point them to to learn more about this topic? 
We recently published a co-written blog post together with Kyle Poyer from OpenView on who would have thought how to run and launch B2B referral programs. Whoever is interested in that topic, I think that's a pretty good read, probably 10 minutes read. We're also working on a larger benchmark study because it turns out that not much content has been produced and, and written on the whole topic around user referral programs, especially for B2B products. And we're trying to do our best here and give actual insights, come up with benchmarks so the folks out there in the growth and, and marketing community can actually take better decisions on if that is an interesting growth channel for them overall. Final question. I think everyone probably has a sense of what your product does at this point, but if you had to describe what Cello does in a nutshell, then what type of people should be most interested in it? What would you say? Probably every growth uh, manager or growth lead. And also if, if that function doesn't exist in an organization, uh, the marketing team should have a close look at this. In the end, Cello is a user-led growth platform that helps software companies to amplify word of mouth by incentivizing their users personally with a monthly percentage of the referred subscription revenue to spread the word. So in short, and the current state of the product, to make it a bit more easy, it is a user refer friend infrastructure on steroids. You can get off the shelf for B2C, but more groundbreaking for B2B subscription businesses. Stefan, thank you so much for joining us today. I learned a lot and I know the audience will as well. Thanks a lot, Alison, for having me here. <laughs> 